Welcome to the What I Love About Men podcast. I'm your host, Steph Ganowski. After having multiple negative experiences with men, I started to believe all men were toxic. That is, until a few male strangers challenged my belief completely. This made me realize that a major problem with men in relationships stems from the fact that most men don't really love themselves or pay enough attention to their own strengths. I want to change that. Now I'm on a mission to help men thrive mentally, emotionally, physically, and sexually in their relationships with themselves and with women. So stay tuned and see how my passion can help you as a man. Hey guys, welcome back to the What I Love About Men podcast. Today's episode Before I dive into today's episode, I just want to remind you to please head over to iTunes, rate and review this podcast. It would mean the world to me, and it would also bring more people over to get the value that you guys are getting. Um, I know there's a lot of men out there who need help, and I want to be there to support them, and this podcast is a great way to do that. So please head over, rate and review, and don't forget, when you do that, you can screenshot your review, send it over to me on IG at Steph Ganowski, S-T-E-P-H-G-A-N-O-W-S-K-I. And I will send you over the Ideal Woman Questionnaire. And guys, this has worked time and time again with my clients, with the men I send this to, telling me, you know, when I fill this out and when I really, you know, fill it out with intention and focus on it, things happen. Things change. I'm not even kidding. You get whatever you focus on, guys. It's as simple as that. So if you know exactly what you're looking for, chances are you're going to find it a lot sooner than you think. Um, So let's dive into today's episode. You're going to love it. For over a decade, Jamie Elizabeth Thompson has been a practicing holistic sex and intimacy coach and founder of The Erotic Menu, which supports men and women and couples with having gourmet dating and sex lives. She does this by helping people discover their deepest desires and learn how to ask for what they want to ensure greater intimacy and sexual fulfillment. Jamie, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You have such a beautiful way of speaking about the erotic. And this is something that my guys don't hear a lot about and they have a lot of questions. So I thought it would be awesome to talk to you. I love your, I love your Instagram. Um, you just posted something, I don't know if it was today, but it was your most recent post. And it's this erotic poetry that you wrote, right? That's yours? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's amazing. I was like, wait, there's no there's no name at the bottom of this. Did she write this? Like, holy shit. So <laughs> yes, I do. I love I love all things erotic and really exploring this realm of this topic topic that is considered to be taboo but yet it's the conversation that everyone wants to be having. Exactly. Oh, I so agree with that. Like we all want to talk about it. We all get, we all get turned on, you know, we all feel the same feelings and it's like, why block them out? Um, right. Right. So why did you get, what made you so passionate about this topic? Well, actually what we are just talking about, the fact that it is so taboo is part of what made me so passionate about it. I was raised in a very traditional, um, small town religious home. And in my house, it was, it was something that was very the sexual energy and erotic energy and really understanding pleasure was something that was just not even talked about. And I know so many of us grow up in that way. So for me, I've just always had this fascination with the taboo. If you tell me that I'm not supposed to do something, I'm going to get really curious about why that is. 
And one thing that I think is so interesting about this is it's, it's often the, the areas that contain the most power and potential that are kind of sectioned off as taboo. And they are actually the places that have the greatest potential for our human evolution and our pleasure capacity and our ultimate fulfillment as human beings. So as I got into be, being a coach, I studied psychosomatic embodiment, which is the, the, the connection between the brain and the body and how when you make that psychological and that somatic connection, how your, your whole energy field, your whole body and human system begins functioning at a higher level. And so I was studying that and I was also studying the neuroscience of communication. I was also studying sexology and sensual embodiment. And I came to this crossroads where I realized working with people in both dating and in relationships that sexual energy, sexual desire, intimacy, our, our erotic life as a whole, their erotic life as a whole seemed to be the sticking point. It seemed to be the one thing that was always in the way that, that, that people couldn't quite get through because there wasn't a proper erotic education for adults. Most people got their sexual education from heaven forbid school, <laughs> right? The school yeah. system oh or from porn, Hollywood movies or magazines. <laughs> and so in, in that it's, it's not an, an education that really serves a person in understanding their desire as their greatest compass and understanding their sexual energy as pure life force that they can use to create anything they want in their life that when in tune with their partner can be this, this, this breeding ground for, for manifestation. I mean, our sexual energy is, is how life is created. So even if you're not creating a human life, it's actually the energy that creates anything. So I'm a big fan mm -hmm. of, of directing our most potent sexual energy into everything that we want to create in life. And so mm -hmm. I began studying Tantra and Taoism and some other um, energetic tools to really bring in a holistic program to support people in knowing how to communicate about what they want, knowing like deeply what they want on a soul level and, and on a, in an embodied level, and then how to receive that, how to actually ask for that with a partner and receive it, whether they are alone or, or in a long-term relationship. Like cultivating sexual energy is something that we can do whether we are with a partner or not. So that was kind of the, the road in, in a Reader's Digest version of, of how I got to here. Wow. That's beautiful. I love how I love that. Like whenever you create, like use sexual energy with what you create, because it really is the birthplace of life and therefore anything. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's awesome. I would never think yeah. of that. And, and what do you mean exactly by that? Like to, to put sexual energy into like yeah. normal things that we want to create? Like, how does that work? Yeah. How would you, what's an example? So if you look at the way that it, it, it exists for most people is like their, their sexual desire is something that they either aren't really in tune with or they're shut down. I myself had a massive shutdown. I mean, I thought that 
I, I had a massive sexual appetite, but yet I thought that it was wrong. So I tried to shut it down. And in that process, I was shutting down my own energy. So when I would try to create something in life, you know, I wanted, I wanted, um, a, you know, to have a, you know, a, a successful business or I, I wanted a partner and there's so many different things that we want. I, it, what was getting in the way was I was not connected with my own life force energy. So in Taoism, they talk about your life force, your general life force energy, like the energy that's in your body that has you, you know, get up and, and be able to go throughout your day. They call that chi. A lot of people know that. They now sexual energy, they call jing chi. And it's got a different name simply because it's a more concentrated version of life force. So they actually look at sexual energy as purely energy that is just more concentrated, more potent. So when I started using my sexual energy to manifest, that means actually showing up to the bedroom or to my self-pleasure practice as if it were the dojo, as if it were the place where I go to manifest the life that I want. And so showing up with that kind of intentionality and reverence for the energy of really, really skyrocketed the ability to create in life. So if we focus on fantasy or we're even focusing on sensation, there's nothing wrong with these things. And if you really want to direct your sexual energy into your dharma or into your vision or your goals, then there's a way to do that. And with a partner, it's it's amazing. And it really opens up a, a, a new level of sacred sexuality, which is kind of a buzzword right now, where you know, people are looking at their sexual energy with a lot more reverence and, and just really understanding the power of it instead of it just being this thing that like, you know, you're, you're kind of having sex with your partner and you're really thinking about the to-do list or like, you know, the girl at work, that's really cute. And, you know, I mean, and you're not actually using that energy to deepen your connection or deepen what you want to create in, in your life. Wow. So when you do that, it's like practicing connection in those times so that you can be more connected and present in your day to day. Yeah. I mean, it definitely helps be more, helps you be more connected in, in your day to day as well. Um, it's, it's really like whatever you are wanting to cultivate more of, like, you know, the traits, like I had a, a, a couple, for example, that I was working with where she wanted to learn how to surrender more. You know, she's, she runs a business, very successful in, in her masculine, has kids, you know, runs a household. Like this woman is a boss. She's absolutely amazing and doesn't need to change anything. And when it came time to be with her partner, she found that she was having a hard time letting go of the, the, the dry, the, the steering wheel and having a hard time surrendering to, to him. And he also was finding that he was having a hard time really speaking up at work. He works with several partners in a joint venture fund and they're all really powerful men. And so he would end up kind of taking a backseat to them at work and was feeling frustrated because he, he wasn't owning his power. So one of the things that I had them do was practice these qualities in the bedroom. So she practiced being more submissive and surrendering 
and focusing on letting go and really allowing him to drive, you know, drive the car. And he practiced taking more initiative. So they both stepped out of the role that was comfortable for them, but that they didn't really want to be in and stepped into the role that they wanted to be in together in the bedroom. So again, it's like using the bedroom as a dojo, using the bedroom as the greatest personal development tool that no one ever taught us how to use. In that, they were able to learn this skill. And both of them brought that back out into their daily life and found that they were so much more integrated and balanced as human beings. Like they were coming from a healthier, uh, happier place in the rest of their life as well. Wow. What about, what about single men though? Like what if there was a man who had the same um, issue as that guy, but he didn't have a partner to practice that dominance with? Absolutely. Well, I think that if, if it's someone who, if you're dating, um, that's another excellent way to, so there, you know, there's kind of like three stages, right? There's, there's alone and in personal practice, which there are certain skills that you can work on in that. I don't really think you can work on being dominant with another human being when you're alone. That would be a different skill set that you'd be working on. But if, if someone is dating or in a long-term relationship, it's something that, that someone can begin working on. They can begin leading. So it, one, one thing that I think is a lost art in our culture today, post Me Too movement and, you know, post feminist movement is there hasn't really been a men's movement that reminds men that guys, it's okay to lead. Like we want you to lead. And so in the, the dating process or even throughout their day, men can practice leadership, practice, you know, really stepping, stepping in and taking initiative and, tracking the details and um, leading from a place of presence. And that's something that can be practiced all the time. And it's amazing to practice in the bedroom if that's, if, if you are in a place where you're intimate with someone, Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to only be in the bedroom. Yeah. I feel like a lot of guys, you're right. Like post feminist movement, there's so many guys who were like, women just don't want us to lead anymore. Like, what do we do? You know? And a lot of guys are just giving up because they think we don't want to, we don't want them to control anything or lead us in anything. And then now women are disappointed because it's like, be a man, but then there's just so much confusion around. <laughs> I feel. Yeah. It's confusing. I really like my, I have so much compassion for men today. Um, and I have compassion for women yeah. too. And there's a way that it's like being a man today, it, there, there is absolutely completely opposing conflicting messages that have, a man who has a good heart. That's like, I don't, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an abuser of women. Like I love women, but yet I feel like in order to love and respect women, I need to somehow, um, you know, take second stage to them. And that's actually not part of the, the divine union of masculine and feminine energy working together at its highest. There's this, there's this way that, a lot of a lot of women in the post feminist movement and and currently today are very angry and anger is a part of the healing process and it it can be confusing if someone isn't really settled in their backbone and knowing who they are and a man doesn't really have a clear sovereign sense of his masculinity it can be very confusing when a woman is angry 
and wants to get her power back and wants to get control back, it can be confusing for him to know that the way to give her that is actually not by giving away his power to her. It's actually by honoring her power from a place of his power, not collapsing or, or, you know, becoming a, a feminized version of himself, but rather integrating the, you know, emotional intelligence and integrating the qualities that she's wanting more of, but from the baseline of still having a solid masculine sense of himself. Yes. I love that. Can you like, can you give an example of that? Cause I know my listeners would absolutely love to hear. Mm-hmm. So, um, I had a, an example of a man that I was working with who is dating and, um, he would always find that he would be constantly friend zoned and he was constantly friend zoned by women. He's very nice. Um, you know, there's this term nice guy syndrome where it, it almost can become a problem if someone is, is so connected to their, their heart and so concerned about wanting validation from women that they are not connected to their, their backbone. Yeah. I, I actually call it the heart cock connection <laughs> because it's like when you can be connected to your masculine power and your penetrating force at the same time as your wide compassion and your emotional intelligence of your heart and combine that with having the alignment of a clear mind. It's like, so when all three of those are in alignment, there's, there's something that happens. And, and this man that I was working with, he was finding that, that he was getting friend zoned and it was because he was, he was coming from his heart. It was like, he was so connected to his heart and, and he wasn't bringing any of the, the masculine penetrating force, like that erotic poetry that you talked about that I wrote on Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's like that is talking about this deep desire that the feminine has to be ravished by, by a man, to be, to be taken so completely by a man who has her best interest at heart, but is so deeply connected to his desire and his power mm -hmm. that she gets to totally relax inside of that uh, place that he creates. It's like he creates a space for her to really let go and surrender. So we worked on this a little bit. We worked on some embodiment of, of this, the, the man who ravishes. And I'll tell you, Stephanie, it was fascinating. He felt so guilty. He was like, Oh, I, I shouldn't be, you know, isn't this, doesn't this mean I'm disrespecting women because like these are my true desires? You know, we, we had him, I had him really go in deeply and share with me his desires and, and like the kind of sex that he wants to be having and the kind of woman he wants to be dating and the way that he truly wants to take her. And when we got in there, he had some, some powerful, dark, deep masculine energy, but it was just not able to come to the surface because of the guilt and the shame yeah. and the fear that he would be rejected or the fear that he was actually disrespecting women. It was coming from, in some ways, a very clean place. You know, it's like he wanted to be respectful. And so, you know, in, in working with it and in doing some, um, some several different exercises from doubt, you know, Taoist energy 
work to really, this gets into some Jungian psychology where when we are able to meet our shadow, he was able to meet his shadow, this part of himself, a shadow is the part of yourself that, um, that you don't think is okay. Whatever part of yourself you think is un- undesirable or, or you were told is not okay. And he grew up with a feminist mother. So he was told this was not okay. That part contains the greatest potential for your gifts and your power and your aliveness. He was flooded when he let himself be connected to this part of himself. He was absolutely flooded with life force and with desire and with his own energy. And women started responding differently to him immediately. He said, he said to me, he's like, Jamie, it was fascinating. He's like, I walk into a grocery store while sitting in this, this like, you know, this, this ravishing, masculine, powerful energy. And I was just sitting in it. Like, it's like, he's just, he's just being in that energy, thinking those thoughts and being, giving himself permission for that part. And he's like, and women actually look at me. He's like, women used, didn't, they used to ignore me. They used to pretend I was invisible. It's like, they didn't even see me. And he's like, they're looking at me now. And then he, you know, has a crush on a woman at work and he goes in and, um, and she like, you know, starts giving him more attention and flirting with him and he takes her out on a date. And it's, and it's from this reconnection to this primal masculine energy that so many women today, I mean, it's like there, there are some circles where me saying this on a podcast would have a lot of hate comments. I don't think yours is one of those, but (laughs) because women, (laughs) right. Because women can be afraid of this, this, primal masculine energy because when misused, it's dangerous. When misused, it's sexual harassment. It's rape. It's it's all of that. But when it's connected to the heart and the clarity of the mind, it's actually a gift. It's a gift that every that every I don't want to say every woman because I can't speak for everyone, but every woman I've talked to wants on a very deep level. Yeah. I agree. Like every woman I've talked to does want that as well. And it's just crazy to see you know, what kinds of messages are going out and, oh, this is so crazy. What? And, you know, one of the things, if I'll just add this, that gets in the way of, so, so here's another scenario that happens is, you know, men, men say, well, I want to give that to her, but she doesn't want it. She won't accept it. She doesn't want to have sex Mm -hmm. with me. You know, they're in, they're in a relationship Um, or, you know, they're, or, or they're, you know, they're dating and, and it's like, she, she wants it this certain way. And she doesn't want me to bring my like full primal masculine power. So what I, what I want to say to men is, is men, the feminine body and the feminine nervous system often need a lot of loving connection, deep intimacy, foreplay, just simply being with her and listening to her and being curious about her before her body is in a relaxed enough state to really receive your full masculine primal presence. So it can be a little overwhelming to go right from to-do list, changing diapers, picking up kids from school, you know, sending emails out at work to like being thrown up against the wall. (laughs) Right. You know, there's like a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, period of time that happens. And it's, um, it's, it's in, in neuroscience, they call it the, 
uh, parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. So the parasympathetic mm -hmm. nervous system, when, when it's engaged, a woman is in some, some spectrum of a fight or flight response. And until she relaxes and, you know, women relax in many different ways. I have something called the erotic menu that talks about the four different ways that, that people find as the pathway into their turn on. So for, for many women, the pathway in is sensual. So it's through slow physical touch. It's through shifting the senses, turning on a candle, turning on some nice music, dimming the lights, eating something delicious, mm -hmm. touching, touching her body slowly, or it could be through a, a more divine, what I call the divine menu entrance, which would be eye contact, breathing together, slowing down and tuning in and feeling the energy between you. So women who have those two access points to their turn on the sensual and the divine often need a lot of that. Like it's like nervous system calm down so that they experience more of their sympathetic nervous system, which is their rest and relax mm -hmm. nervous system. And that's where they, their bodies, women's bodies are actually prepared for you. So as, as a man know that if you're getting a lot of resistance to sex, the way to go is not to push for sex, not to push for sex, but rather get curious, rather become interested in what is the way that her body warms up for sex. Men often are like a microwave and women are like a crock pot. Mm -hmm. So you got to turn the crock pot on for several hours. So what is, what is the way that she gets turned on? And if you don't know, then, then ask, bring curiosity to, you know, how can I, how can I better serve you? Um, I had a, a couple that I worked with where he was complaining she never wanted to have sex. And she was, um, saying that she just wasn't in the mood. She was too stressed out. This is like such an age old story, whether you're dating or in relationship. And, and I, I gave him the assignment of, okay, every night this week, I want you to have physical contact with her and listen to her, look her in the eyes, have presence, touch her the way she wants to be touched. And we went through all of the ways that she wants to receive that, all the ways that he want, could learn that because he actually needed to learn some of this. Mm. And, and I was like, and, and have it have no goal, have it just be about the foreplay. And on day five, she basically mounted him like a tiger and, and ravished him because she was ready. so ready. It was like, her, she was ready. Her body, she was like, I don't know what came over me. It was like, I was just fine. I was finally so turned on in the way with the foreplay that my body had been yearning for, for months that it's like, I just had to have, I just had to have his cock. And so it, it's, it's not like keep trying the same way, keep banging your head against the wall, get curious about what she wants and approach it from, from that place instead of from just trying to get her to have sex with you, which is not sexy. Yeah. Cause then it does become more stressful. And then she just associates sex with stress. Cause it's like, you know, when you're pushing it, it's not right. a turnout. It doesn't, we're not prepared. So it's just a stressor. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is. I mean, and we know what that's like. Like yeah. I know for myself, like 
There is a, there's a really specific and, you know, using the, the model, the frame, the erotic framework of the erotic menu. For me, I tend to be a little more primal, which means that it, it's actually like, you know, the act of, um, you know, the act of like getting, getting, um, what's the word? Like getting, getting a little more naughty together, you know, like being, being, uh, flirtatious and explicit. Like I enjoy explicitness. So sometimes to get me in the mood, it's not like if you're bringing a lot of sensual, like slow touch and stuff, like I think it's really sweet, but that's not the way I get in the mood. But every woman's different. I get in the mood from a little bit more like a little, a little bit of like roughness, like my favorite, like you grab the back of, of like my hair at the bottom where my, my hair meets the nape of my neck and you pull my hair just right like that. And you look me in the eyes and say something sexy to me. I'm, I'm in. You know, like that's more of my way in, but some women that's too intense. So it's like really just learning what each of us wants and how do we learn that through a conversation? Yeah. Through telling each other. It's like really a simple path. Like yeah. I had a guy say to me, like, um, like I'm gonna, do you want me to throw you up against the wall and like do this and that and that? And I was just thinking like, I would just want you to cook me dinner first. <laughs> you know, like you right. could, eat, I was like, maybe first, yeah. if you like, cooked me dinner and like gave me a little massage and then, you know, this and that, then I'd be ready for all that. And I think it really is like, I was explaining to him and I was like, wow, yeah. like I never really talked about that out loud, but I was just telling him like, I think the cleaner it starts, the dirtier it gets. And, yeah. That. that was like a big realization. I love that. Like, wow. That's cool. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like even hearing you say those two things, like you said, um, cook me dinner and give me a massage sensual. Yeah. I imagine w one of your main pathways in is through your senses. Um, and a lot of women are that way. A lot of women have that as like a primary piece for me that doesn't turn me on, but it helps me feel safe. Mm. Right. Like that, like w when you, when I can feel like you are willing to invest in me, I think some of this crosses over into just being like a confident quality woman in the dating pool is like, I want to know that I'm respected and safe and that you honor and cherish me. And when I know that, then there's a lot more that's possible. Um, you know, but it's, it's, so it's like, there's, there's kind of two elements here of like, there's that the element of turn on. And then there's the element of like, are you a safe person for me to even be turned on by? So if you've established your integrity and your character and I can feel you and who you are and you're present, then then we can go to turn on. But like, I don't even go there until I know who you are. Yeah, that's such a good point. Because I think like in my, probably in most women, like in our teen years, we don't really think too much about the actual person. It's more just like, let's have sex and experiment with sex. But like, as you, as you grow yeah. older, I think it's more about like, can I, am I attracted to your personality? Because if I'm not, I can't get as turned on as I'd like to get. That's how I feel. It's so true. Yeah. Well, and, and this is, this goes back to, you know, this idea of, um, you know, objectified sex for the purpose of climax versus sacred sex for the purpose of creation and manifestation of the lives we want and deeper, more intimate connection that has us be more fulfilled afterwards. It's like, do you want to eat fast food or do you want a seven course gourmet mm -hmm. meal? 
I mean, it's teenagers were kind of like, yeah, fast food, whatever. But as you get older and, and especially as people become more conscious, I think it's not necessarily only older because some people never get this, but as we become more conscious, there's this, there's this, this mantra that comes in. That's like, what am, you know, what am I creating with this? Like, am I furthering myself with this sexual connection or am I feeling, am, am I feeling fulfilled and alive and amazing afterwards? Or is it draining me? And I just want to go to sleep and I don't, you know, and I don't really feel fulfilled and maybe I feel ashamed or I feel empty. And people start to notice like, huh, I feel empty when I just go for fast food sex. I actually want something more. And that's really when I get excited working with people is when they're like, I want something more, you know, like I want to have life altering, like call the neighbors, earth shattering, multi-orgasmic sex. Like that's the kind of sex I'm interested in. Yeah, me too. Set me up for that. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think like, why do you think Mm -hmm. it's so hard for most partners to, to have like the discussion around intimacy or like, or my initial question to you is really like, why do you think so many partnerships lack intimacy or that, that erotic behavior in their relationships? That's a great question. I think that there are a couple things I could speak to about this. One is devices, um, social media devices and so much of our life being directed into potentially a pseudo world that we live in, in social media and the attention and the dopamine hits that we get from attention through social media, through dating apps and, and, and just the general disconnection that having so much social media creates from human to human connection. It's like we are walking around way more disconnected from our bodies and from deep, true human intimate connection. And so when it comes time for that, there's like a big gap between check, you know, being online and on your computer and on calls and emails all day, and then going home and making love with your partner. Those are two very different worlds. So if you don't know how to transition into an embodied world, into a connected, intimate world with your partner, then it can just become complacency. I mean, complacency is the death of intimacy. And so many relationships just become complacent. They love each other, but it's like they just, they don't make time for it. And so that's the second thing is it having the proper space set up and uh, what I call container, which is the, the, the named, it's like, it's like a mutually named desire and practice around sex. I call it sexy scheduling, you know, set up, set it up in your calendar, the way you set up everything else in your calendar. And for busy, I work with, you know, a lot of, you know, busy, busy couples. So it's like they live out of their calendar. Anything that, that happens in their life is in their calendar. You know, their workout is in their calendar. Um, but anything sexual or date night or ritual is not in their calendar. And so it never happens because it's complacency. It's last on the list. So when people can really make the space in their, in their calendar and in their, and in their relationship for some kind of a ritual together where, you know, this might start with even just dropping in together and, 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 
Um, I say dropping in. I always have to explain these words that I use. Dropping in is like when, when you drop a level mm-hmm. deeper, when you go deeper than how was your day? Oh, this, and you know, this, you know, guy at work's an asshole and, you know, the kid did this and, you know, the beyond the to-do list, beyond the surface level, have a scheduled drop-in ritual with your partner where you go a level deeper and you, you talk about, you know, what's, what's your, what's, what's your biggest challenge in life right now? Like, what are you, you know, what was the rose and thorn of your day? Like what, you know, what's the challenge? And then what are you really excited about right now in your life? You know, or what's, what's really moving to you? Um, what has you feel most alive and, and how, and then moving it into the, the intimate space between, or what I call the we space, how, you know, how can we be more connected? Like, what is one thing I could do in this moment that would have you feel more connected? Or what is one thing I could do this week? Or what are you really desiring? And, and start to get into some of these deeper questions with each other. Um, I call it setting off an intimacy grenade in your mm-hmm. relationship. Because when you, when, when you do this, it's like the relationship becomes alive. So many people are in these relationships that are actually dead. I remember for myself, it's like, I, you know, we were, we were in a relationship much, you know, like the question that you, that you asked where it's like, we, we loved each other very much, but you know, we'd been together for several years and, you know, the sex life had really died down and, um, you know, he just had less of an appetite than I did. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really that interested anymore either. And it was kind of like, whoa, we're only having sex every two weeks. And that's like, I'm, that's way less than my appetite is. And that was also, you know, way less than what his appetite was as well. And we were like, whoa, there's like something going on here. Like what's happening. And we realized that the space between us in our relationship was not alive. It wasn't breathing. It didn't have a a spark to it. It's like we would see each other and we would see each other in the same habitual way that we were used to seeing each other. So I did something one night. I put on, I put on music and, and set up a whole experience and, and, you know, got our favorite bottle of wine. And I did this whole lap dancing experience. And he just had to have me after that. And that was really hot to me because my thing was always, he, you know, never, he, he's like not interested anymore and it has me not be turned on. And, you know, so it, it like reoriented something in our relationship. And that's not the only way to do this. That was my way of doing it. Remember I said, I'm a little primal and, and naughty. So that was my way of doing it. And how long did that um, last after you but, initiated that? How long did that keep up? Okay. Yeah, I'll get to that in a second. So the, the reason, the reason why it would, this is important because it doesn't have to be that, but the reason why it worked is that we saw each other in a different light. We actually saw, it's like he saw me differently as I was giving him a lap dance than like the same woman who walks out in his t-shirt in the morning and cooks breakfast. You know, like I was a different part of me in that moment. And so that then ignited a new desire because love likes stability. Love likes consistency, security, and even habit. But desire thrives on surprise and change and novelty and the unexpected. So this created that for both of us. And so we developed a ritual 
where we would do something surprising. We would do something novel for it. And it was a ritual that we developed once at once every week. We would, we would meet and it would be one of our turns to come up with an idea. So we were, you know, it had us researching things on the internet. And of course, like I have endless ideas in this. So sometimes I would get like a list of ideas. Um, but, um, you know, but it, it, it was something that, that we created as a, as a ritual and a practice. So to answer your question, how long did it last? It, it, it lasted for a long time, actually for the rest of our relationship. That was not the reason why we ended our relationship. Um, it, it lasted because we, we made it a practice. Nothing changes. You're not going to just give a lap dance and then it's different forever. Um, it, we made a practice out of keeping the space between us alive and keeping the spark alive between us. And that's often what, what couples actually need is like the tools to create a practice to keep it alive. Cause in the beginning, you're just, you know, you're thriving on, on all of the, you know, the neuro cocktail of hormones that are being dumped into your body from it being someone new. Once oxytocin sets in and there's real love there, you know, oxytocin, they call it the cuddle hormone. It's like, it's the hormone that binds people together and it has longevity. But inside of that, you, you know, you need to sprinkle in some, some fun stuff. Um, you know, we also started exploring Tantra and we started exploring that, you know, some energetic practices between the two of us and, and different elements with that as, as well. And we, we just got more adventurous, you know, it was like, we just added in some adventure and it took something cause you have to overcome complacency. It's like, I don't have time. I don't feel like it. Sex becomes last on the list. You know, intimacy becomes last on the list because what's urgent ends up outweighing what's important. But when we can make a mental effort and a real conscious effort to put what's important in front of what's urgent, that's when our intimate life really takes yeah. off. Wow. So good. And I love how you mentioned, like, put it in your calendar. And there's so, I think it's so funny. Like, since you've been talking about this, I realized people laugh about putting sex in their calendar, but it's like, why? We put, like you said, we put everything else that's important to us in our calendar. So why would we not put our relationship and our sex life in our calendar, you know, to make it a priority, to make sure we see it every day? Yeah. That's, yeah. Right, well, right. Yeah. And then and it even can become a, a, like a flirting you know, a subject, it can even become something to flirt about, you know, like, oh, I see, you know, our, our dates in the calendar, you know, like, it's like, you can make it sexy. It doesn't just have to be. Yeah. I had an interesting question um, Mm -hmm. from a guy. He wanted to know, he wanted to know how Mm -hmm. can, he said, how can men feel more comfortable initiating kinky sex with their partner? So pretty much so like, so she doesn't, I think he said, so she doesn't make um, so she doesn't think he's a freak. So this is coming from like that embarrassed shame of like, mm-hmm. I'm afraid that I'm kinky. What if she doesn't accept it? Sort yeah. Of yeah, absolutely. So first of all, it's going to take some courage because if there is shame there, it's, it's going to take the willingness to put yourself out there, the, the risk to be rejected. And ultimately in sharing our deepest desires, I believe it's the most intimate thing two human beings can do together is share their deepest intimate desires. So it creates such an opportunity for deeper connection depending on how it's brought. So if you're just like, 
you know, out of nowhere, you know, I want to, you know, I want to tie you up and spank you. Some women, it might be like, uh, hell yeah. To others, that might be a shock or if there's not enough rapport or intimacy already established and it's a newer relationship or you've been very vanilla in the past, then that might come as a real shock. Um, so my suggestion for asking for something like that is, is a few things. One, vulnerability. If you are telling someone that like, Hey, I want, I'm going to share something with you that is a little vulnerable for me to say. And I'm, I have a fear of being rejected, but it feels really important for me to share it. So that's one piece. Second piece is what's in it for them. Share what's in it for her. So I'm going to share it anyway. And I, I believe my sense is that in sharing this, that it will create a deeper connection between you and I. And, and that if we even, and that if we end up doing it, I think that it might also bring in some new spark or some new fire or novelty in our relationship, which will ultimately have us both be happier and more passionate and turned on by each other. So you're sharing it from a vulnerable place. You're sharing your vulnerability and you're also sharing what's in it for her. And then I love ending with curiosity. So three things, vulnerability, what's in it for her curiosity. Curiosity is like, and I'm so curious about what some of your desires are that you might not have shared with me yet. And, and maybe you haven't even thought about this, but I just want you to know that I'm, I'm curious and I want to know what, what it is that you really want and how I can please yeah. you even more. That's the thing. If it comes from that place of like, you know, this isn't all about me, like it involves you. And like, now I want to know, I want to hear your part. I think that's what wins so many people over, especially women is like, okay, like, you know, he's just reflecting this back on me and like asking me, you know, it's when you just talk about yourself, that's when it could be, that's when I think it's, it's the scariest when it's just, you know, telling your own stuff. Right. And it's, and it's like opening a, opening a door, you're opening a door ultimately, and this can be stated as well. You're opening the door of like, I want to be able to talk about all of our desires openly. Like I want to create the space, like the kind of transparency and desire that it's like, even if you don't like something I have to say, or I don't like something you have to say, we still have space for it. We will still hear each other out. We will never make each other wrong for having a desire. Like, let's make that agreement, you know, so that there's the full permission to experience one's desire and even share about it. And that that doesn't mean you have to do it. The, the, the interesting thing about fantasy where I think people get really caught up sometimes is that it's like this idea that, oh, if I have this fantasy, it means one, I'm a bad person because it's dark. And two, it means that I should probably do it. <laughs> Most fantasies belong yeah. as fantasies. Most fantasies don't actually, yes, in your head, don't actually need to be fulfilled. It's the wanting and the desire of it that, that, that creates the turn on. And sometimes in doing it, doing it, you're actually like, okay, well, that was cool, but now the fantasy's done. So some of them are appropriate to do, but, but many are not. And I think that there's this idea where people move way too quickly in our climax driven culture, where we're so obsessed with like 
getting to the climax. You watch movies now. They're literally climax, climax, climax. Like people need constant stimulation and excitement Mm -hmm. in order to stay alive and turned on. And that is not the way that we actually are wired. We're, we're in an adrenaline dump when we're operating that way. So it's, it's actually in the, the cultivating of the fantasy, perhaps the sharing of it. You know, the, a common one is a threesome. Every, everybody wants to have a threesome. I have, I have a whole, you know, niche of my work that's around and I have a, a, a guide on my website that's like how to have a threesome without ruining your relationship. Ooh. And the first, the first rule of, of, of this is don't just go do it. You're not ready. It's, it's not that the first, you don't just think I want to have a threesome and then say, Hey, let's have a threesome and go try to find someone and, and bring her in and do it. Often relationships are not ready for that. And it's damaging. There's a, there's a process there's a process to really tuning in with each other. And this process is incredibly hot. It's sexy as long as, as long as couples are willing to be in it together, where it's like you actually establish a deep level of trust and communication and sharing of one another's desires first. And then, you know, you set up how to, how to create, you know, a, a, a system to understand if you're, if you're both enjoying yourself or if someone is, is feeling overwhelmed and, and then you go, maybe go out and maybe just look at couples, maybe just, or, or, or women or men or whoever it is that you're interested in exploring with together, like go out together and just be like, Oh, I think that person's attractive. Oh, I think that person's attractive and start there. And if your relationship can't handle that without somebody getting jealous, you're not ready for a threesome. It's like taking small steps. Yeah, exactly. Taking small steps to work through any of the hangups or or any of the jealousy before you actually just go dive in. You know, it's like there's, there's so many little exercises and things that you can have so that when you do, and if you actually get all the way to having the threesome and some couples decide they don't want to, but you're, you're ready. Your relationship is actually ready for it. And it ends up being a really hot experience. Wow. Then. That's so awesome. All right. So before my last question, cause I know you have to run, otherwise I could talk to you for another five hours, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Amy, where can the guys find you? Mm-hmm. So my website is Jamie Elizabeth Thompson.com J A M I E E L I Z A B E T H T H O M P S O N dot com. It's kind of long. I imagine you'll have yeah, the links in this as well. You'll have okay. And my Instagram is holistic sex coach, H O L I S T I C sex coach. And my Facebook, which I actually do a lot of lives and have a lot of content mm-hmm. on my Facebook as well. It's facebook.com slash Miss Jamie Thompson, M I S S J A M I E. T H O M P S O N. And I have on my, on my website, I have a form that if you are curious or interested in getting support in your intimate life and your sex life as a single man or, or as a couple, uh, you can fill that out. And, um, it's, it's just an application and I will tune in with you. We can have a phone call and see if we are a good fit to move Amazing. forward. And last quick question, 
what can men do on a daily basis to bring more, more erotic man? Mm. Mm-hmm. More, more, mm-hmm. more of their erotic self. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the biggest things is not shutting down sexual desire. Like just as a, you know, as a single man who's not even dating or someone in a relationship, really any man, as you're going throughout your day, let yourself be turned on by life. Let yourself be turned on by the beauty that you see around you, whether it's in the feminine or in nature or just in like a really epic presentation that you just nailed. Like let yourself be excited and turned on by that. Notice that that energy that you feel when you're just turned on by life is connected to your sexual turn on. So people who are generally operating in a state of, of, of turn on in their bodies are more sexy. They're more attractive. There's more of a sex appeal present. And a big piece of this for men is in not apologizing for your sexual desire not apologizing for that primal, powerful, sexual side of you. It doesn't mean that you act on it, but being in connection with it, giving yourself approval for it, having permission for your desire to be something that's present in you, not something that's shut down and not necessarily even something that's acted on, but something that you are just being with in your body and experiencing those sensations and those feelings and those thoughts with full permission. I love that. That's so amazing. So well-spoken. Thank you so much, Jamie. I really appreciate what you do. Um, just for the people of this world, they really need you and they need, we all need this. I need this as well. And I'm feeling erotic just talking to you. Like, <laughs> like feeling all the feelings you just talked about. Like, yes. I know. I mean, to be honest, Stephanie, I, I started doing this work because I needed it. You know, I mean, like this is, you're, you're right. It's, it's, it's a basic human aspect that has been thrown, thrown out the window in many ways or, or just over, over sexualized and, and objectified in other ways. And, and the real deep fulfilling experience of, of our own sexuality is something that is such a gift. And so I'm so honored to have this conversation and to share this. And I want everyone to just live turned yeah. on life. Oh, I love that. Live a turned on life. So refreshing and beautiful. Thank you so mm-hmm. much, Jamie. I really appreciate you being on. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs>